0: Well, maybe you can join me. We'll pray right now and ask the Lord to prepare our hearts for this morning's message as we begin part one in our Christmas series. Father, as we open Your Word this morning, as we turn our hearts, Lord, uh, toward the the theme that we're surrounded right now by of Christmas, we ask that Lord You would speak to us, God. We we trust, we believe, we know that when we open Your Word, God. You, you have a word for us, your church, Lord, and we, we want to have ears to hear, Lord, what it is that you're saying. So please, God, may we not only be hearers but doers, and we pray, Father, that your truth would penetrate our lives and that you would give us the flexibility, Lord, the desire to put into practice those things that you show us even this morning, and we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. Whether we like it or not, and frankly, I think many of us do like it, uh, maybe some more than others, Christmas has come to be defined by giving and receiving, Um, the exchanging of gifts. Many are occupied right now with uh, either explaining what we want, putting a list together, maybe that's already happened, or trying to drop hints or something, or tracking down what we're getting for someone Else, it can all be very stressful and disappointing. I've shared this one before, but it's a poem entitled Twas the Day After Christmas was the day after Christmas when all through the place "'there were arguments and depression, even Mom had a long face. "'The stockings were hung empty, and the house was a mess, "'the new clothes didn't fit, and Dad was under stress. "'The family was irritable, and the children no one could please "'because the instructions for the swing set were written in Chinese. "'The bells no longer jingled, and no carolers came around. "'The sink was stacked with dishes, and the tree was turning brown.' The stores were full of people returning things that fizzled and failed, and the shoppers were discouraged because everything they'd bought was now on half-price sale. Twas the day after Christmas. The spirit of joy had disappeared. The only hope on the horizon was 12 bowl games, the final day of the new year. I think we'd all agree that the, the over-commercialization... Of This holiday has drowned out the actual intent and purpose of the day. Linus pointed that out for us decades ago with the peanuts Christmas, but it's nonetheless in its truest form still a day about giving and receiving just not in the Black Friday uh, Cyber Monday Amazon shopping mall kind of way. Having grown up in the 80s, I remember pretty clearly I was young, but the, the craze of the Cabbage Patch dolls and the images on the news of, uh, you know, women and grandmas reaching, grabbing, and the hysteria to try to get those. And it seemed like every year after that, there was some toy that took its place for uh, prominence that people would fight over to try to get that inevitably they would you know the stores would run out of whether you know tickle me elmo or whatever it was maybe you saw the movie jingle all the way with arnold schwarzenegger and sidman going after the uh the turbo man doll uh, that's kind of a fun one but um probably our more recent experiences with supply chain issues and not being able to find something that's not available online but Christmas is, of course, about giving and receiving. The prophet Isaiah foretold in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. In Jesus' own words, We read in John's Gospel in chapter 3, verse 16 For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him, we might say, receives. This morning's message is the joy of giving. Next week is the joy of receiving. I hope you join us for our one hour family 10 a.m. service. We'll have children's ministry for ages three and under. Next week, we'll talk about the joy of receiving. Whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I think the tradition of giving and receiving gifts, it, it, it should remind us, it should be rooted in the reality of God giving through his son and the importance of us receiving what he's given, everlasting life, forgiveness of sin. Remembering and celebrating the birth of Christ, it's very much about giving and receiving. In Paul's message to the Ephesian elders, recorded in the book of Acts, he reminds them of of these words that were spoken by Jesus. We don't find them in the Gospels, but they were remembered by the apostles. Acts 20, verse 35, it is more blessed to give than to receive. This morning's message is titled, The Joy of Giving, and that is our focus today, giving and the blessing and the joy that that ...is accompanied by when we give in the way that God has called us to... ...and when we consider His giving toward us. That's typified, really, in Christmas, in this holiday that we're celebrating... ...and remembering right now, the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, Christmas, we understand, it's, it's not about the gifts that we give each other... But, ...but it's instead about the gift that God gave, of course his only son. Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. So Christmas is certainly about a gift given, the greatest gift, and people receiving, but just not the way our world has come to understand and celebrate it. This morning and next Sunday, we're going to be unpacking. You see what I did there? Yes. Unpacking what the Bible has to say about giving and receiving in the context of Christmas and, and in life for that matter. Today we'll be, we'll be thinking about the joy of giving and next week the joy of receiving. So today we'll work through this subject, the joy of giving, in three points. How not to give, how to give, and what to give. And if you've got the outline you certainly can access that online on the live page. If you're worshiping with us online, we're glad that you're there. If you're here in person, they're available on the, the tables outside and inside. Some of us might ask, why, why address this? Let's just read Luke chapter 2 and move on. Why are we talking about giving and receiving? This isn't. It's not really about that anyway. Well... Admittedly, it's, it's a different take on Christmas, but an important one, I think, because focusing on the giving and receiving of Christmas, as well as our giving and receiving to and from one another, it all applies to our experience of this holiday and, and getting it right, I think. I think it can free us from burdens at this time of year and even sin and liberate us to fully enjoy all that Christ has for us in Christmas. I think it can alter our perspective in a way that God wants to bring about change in our thinking. Really, it can set us up to do a little bit better than maybe we've done in the past around this time of year. We, we read about this in Paul's letter to, to Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6. Now, Godliness with contentment is great gain. Now that idea really is antithetical to our world's presentation and promotion of what Christmas is about. It is anything but contentment. It is it is finding fulfillment and joy in what's under the tree. God has something very different for us. Having an unbiblical view of giving it can really harm our ability to be a, a blessing to others. And do ourselves be blessed as we seek to give. And of course, there's application well beyond this holiday. And it applies to our lives year round. But I think understanding this subject can also help to free us from selfishness. Giving is probably the single best cure for self-centeredness and greed. And for the Christian, understanding Christmas rightly that God gave and and all that it represents and that we're called to give, to to live in a way with with an openness and an outflow that reflects the ultimate giving that we've received from God and Him giving His Son. Ultimately, it, it births in us really a heart For evangelism, physical giving in a way, it it can become an embodiment, an avenue by which the attitudes of our hearts, of our spirits, embrace a, a little bit more deeply maybe or practically our calling to take the gospel to those around us. To those maybe we'd, we'd rather not. To those sometimes it's uncomfortable to. Giving, it's for us in so many ways, isn't it? That outflow from our lives, it reminds us that we're not the center of the universe. We, we see that in our kids, don't we? I, I'm, I, if you have had children in your home or nieces or nephews or grandchildren or whatever it is, and you remember back to that time when when it was you or you had little ones in the house, their, their joy at Christmas time and moving from gift to gift, and you've maybe heard me share this before, and I'll admit it, embarrassed though I am, when I was a little kid, my mom loves to remind me of this, don't, don't do this, moms, all right, don't pick on, never mind, I'm just kidding, do whatever you want, your mom, anyway. My mom loves to bring up the story of when we were little kids that I opened up all the gifts, got to the end, and looked at she and my dad and said, is that it? Are there any more? And she loves to just rub that in my face. What a greedy little wicked child that I was. And I, I was, and I am still in some ways, but... We have to learn that we're not the center of the universe, that it's not all about us, isn't it? And giving, in a lot of ways, it helps us remember that. And as we get older and we shift from just taking, part of the maturing process is understanding the giving. And and what Jesus spoke about, that it's actually more blessed to give than to receive. And... and um, <laughs> Some of us, most of us, as we move forward in life, we actually start to understand that. We're now, it's not so much about what we get, but now we're really excited to give to somebody else, to give to our children, to give to our grandchildren, to give to those in our lives that we love, to see the reaction on their face, to be able to provide something that ministers to them. That perspective can really be healing and strengthening because for some of us, there's, there's an unhealthy interpretation of what we get and how, how we take. And God wants to free us from that and, and turn our eyes more exclusively to Him and all that He's given to us. First and foremost, through His Son. I hope you, I know many of you were here with us Friday for the Shepherd of Bethlehem. If you missed it, I'm sorry that you did. Um, And and I I don't know, maybe it was the Lord because we ran out of room. Not that we didn't want you here, but we were standing room only and people next door, these wooden props. If you're wondering what that's about, a brother in the church made those to help provide the atmosphere for our shepherd, and Pastor Frankie said, I think it fits. It gives the the manger feel where Jesus was born, so we've kept them. But uh, it reminded us in such a practical way of Jesus' coming, of God's gift through his son. The same principles that apply in, in giving to others, they apply in our giving to God. So there's, there's dual application in what we're addressing today. But let's get started now with our first point, an introduction aside. Our first point this morning is how not to give, how not to give, what not to do, right? When Paul writes to the church in Corinth, he, he outlines for the believer what our giving should not look like, and he speaks very clearly to giving in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7, probably the clearest passage uh, we'll, we'll look at it in our second point as well. But he writes there So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. The New Living Translation reads You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. The English Standard Version reads each one must give as he has decided in his heart. Not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Not grudgingly or of necessity, not reluctantly or under compulsion. Can we all agree that there's, there's a lot of giving like that at Christmas? Grudgingly, doing something with a bad attitude, like, like you're being forced to. Wishing you didn't have to. There's that emphasis on really, really um, wishing you didn't have to. You're holding a grudge about it. Maybe you've uh, been forced to go to some party and there was an exchange or there's somebody you had to give to that you really didn't like and you'd rather, you know, I don't know, put something dangerous in a box and watch them open it. I don't know. But of necessity. No, you're like, what are you, weird, Pastor Aaron? Yes, a little bit. Of necessity. Again, I have to. I don't have a choice. Either I'm responding to guilt, pressure, or some other unhealthy motivation. There's a huge percentage of gift giving this time of year that is only driven by that. It's, It's not I get to or I want to. It's I have to, compulsory. I think most of us are aware that these two concepts, they don't fit well with a biblical attitude of giving. It's nowhere to be found in the Christmas story itself we come to that now think about the angel's announcement to the shepherds in bethlehem luke chapter 2 verse 8 now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields keeping watch over their flock by night and behold an angel of the lord stood before them and the glory of the lord shone round uh, around them and they were greatly afraid then the angel said to them do not be afraid for behold i bring you good tidings of great joy which will be to all people for there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, cloths lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. You read that account recorded by Luke and you don't get the sense of God's hand extended but kind of holding on. Tightly, like, well, if you really pry it out of my hand, no, you get this idea of God joyfully opening up the heavens and giving with all that He is from eternity past, really salvation through His Son, embodied and 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 uh, literally embodied in a child in the manger through the Virgin Mary. What's clear is the joy with which Jesus' birth and coming were announced. Tidings of great joy. The Father had planned this for millennia, even before creation itself. The Son of God was anticipating this mission with excitement. We sing, joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. And heaven and nature sing. Every heart God gave freely and joyfully. That that freedom and that joy it should be reflected in our hearts and lives and in the way in which we give. Another what not to do when it comes to giving would be doing it to be seen by men. Doing it for accolades so others can praise us and tell us how great we are. You'll Remember that Jesus spoke to the disciples about this in Matthew chapter 6, verse 1. Take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them, otherwise you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Some wanted to make a show of their giving, to do it in a way that drew attention to themselves, and it was really a a fulfilling in them of, of, of an unhealthy need for attention. Still today, obviously, there are those that give in that way that, that want something from it rather than simply the joy of blessing others. So what's our motivation? Are you and I giving in some way in order to be acknowledged by others? Uh, or, or are we looking you know, for the standing ovation that when the gift is opened, everybody looks? Jesus warned that when our giving is in that spirit, we've received our reward in full. And we're not exclusively speaking about, once again, the gifts that are under the tree. We understand that that's not what the season is about. What we're talking about is really transcending beyond that and getting at the attitude of the heart and how God wants to transform you and I to be messengers of his grace, not only at this time of year, but beyond that, but recognizing that this gathering that we call Christmas is an opportunity for that because of the cultural ways that we celebrate it. That we would really see it as a mission to be lived out. We'll talk more about that in a little bit. But Jesus challenges us with this concept in Luke chapter 14 when speaking to those at a meal he was a guest at. Luke 14, verse 12. Then he said to him who invited him, when you give a dinner or a supper, do not ask your friends, your brothers, your relatives, nor rich neighbors, lest they also invite you back and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the maimed, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. For you shall be repaid at the resurrection of the just. What is yours and my giving look like? Do we we regret it? As I spoke about earlier, begrudging what we had to give? Are you giving it out of necessity? Do you feel as though you had to, but there's no joy in the giving? Are you and I doing it to be acknowledged by others? Do we give... Only to those that we enjoy, thinking in the context of Luke 14 and the, the teaching that Jesus gave to those in whose home he, he'd been invited. Do we ever step outside of our, our socioeconomic group or circle, to put it that way? Um, just h- hang out with others. I, I find it challenging, especially in the context of Christmas, and I I'm blessed by our church body. We, we, you guys get an A this year. The Christmas in the community, we have three families that we are embracing and helping to provide Christmas for. It's a practical way of showing Christ's love. It's, it's kind of like. Operation Christmas Child, but on a little bit of a bigger scale, right? It's giving a practical gift that says, hey, Christ loves you. He, he came, he died, he rose again, he loves you. And, and God cares about your practical needs too. And this is a practical way to open the door to the spiritual. And with those gifts, we give a copy of the word of God and a gift to remind them of God's love. We're doing that for one family that calls this church home and then two that are out in the community. Stretching outside of what's comfortable and normal for us and giving in a way that communicates Christ's love. Paul writes to the Philippians about, about Christmas and Easter combined, the resurrection, in this way, Philippians chapter two, verse seven making himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Part of what we're getting at here is this idea that our experience of Christmas can actually be, to put it in this way, in in very Christmas terms, incarnational. That we bring with us the love and the presence of Christ in in a physical way. And what we're talking about is seeing, some of you have more gatherings than others, uh, those times as an opportunity to communicate the love of Christ. Because our gatherings and the way we celebrate Christmas, it can very easily become innocuous, can't it? Those, those times can become divorced from the reality of what the day actually represents. I, mean, I was thinking about this in a way last night. My, we went to my wife's family for Christmas, and we, were, we actually don't even do an exchange with that side. Uh, most of us don't really care for each other. So No, I'm just kidding. It's a really big family. And so um, we, we've just kind of toned that aspect down. They're actually... They're all believers. There's lots of little kids. I don't know if they're all saved. I think they are. But anyway, um, all the families are, you know, they go to church, love the Lord and everything. But there was a point where I was talking with my brother and sister-in-law, Johanna and I were. And and they had shared earlier just some terrible things that you're going through. And he was just diagnosed with something nobody wants to be diagnosed with, just retired. and um, and, I, and I just... I'd already prayed for the meal. I'm the pastor. I always get asked to be prayed, you know, for a pray for uh, the meal at holidays and stuff, right? And, and I, did, I did my bit, all right? And, and I was thinking, you know, okay, and they're, they're talking and sharing, and I just was thinking, it was on my heart. I'm like, man, I should really pray for him. And we're right in the middle of the kitchen, and everybody's around us, and I thought, oh, it's going to seem like a show. And then I thought, well, you know what? I kind of would like people to look at me. No, I'm just kidding. That's not what I thought. But I felt like the Holy Spirit said, no, pray for them, and I did. I said, you know, Jesse, can we pray for you guys right now? Enjoy. And we, and we did. We just prayed for them, you know, quickly there in the kitchen. And I don't think anybody even saw us. Um, that's a little bit of what, what I'm talking about. If, if you're wrestling thinking, what are you talking about, Pastor? Let's move to the next point because we'll get it even more practical with this. How to give. We've talked about what not to do, right? There's a lot that we could say about how to give. And this morning, we'll keep our focus on giving in terms of that which we experience in and through Christmas. And again, we're going to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7. But, but this time, not the what not to do, but the what to do. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. We just read that verse again a moment ago, but, but now we understand it from this different perspective give in a thoughtful way and do so joyfully paul writes that that each one is to give as he purposes in his heart there's to be an intentionality and forethought planning giving shouldn't be the result of pressure or guilt but instead a planned exercise and and hear me i'm just going to put this out there in keeping with our ability and frankly if i could just say this our budget um on a practical note around this time of the holidays we can be exposed to a lot of pressure in relationship to spending it's part of the reason the gathering i talked about last night i think they just kind of said you know we're not going to do gifts and it was one of the, it was really a very sweet time we enjoyed a great meal and people brought food and it was it was great I, i'm not saying it has to be that way i i, I like gifts frankly I'm, I'm <laughs> <laughs> But I think we need to be okay with even determining ahead of time what we are, what we aren't going to do. Some of our gatherings could use a little bit of infusion of, hey, I think we could adjust what we're doing here to try to bring a little bit more of the joy back into it. I don't want to speak to that too much specifically. All our circumstances are different, but but the... the best way that I've found to approach this holiday, and I know it's a little bit late a week out, and I'm not going to talk a lot about this again because I know we're, we're all adults and we can figure this out, but some of us could be encouraged along those lines to spend safely within our income, um, not to build up credit card debt and carry a burden into the year. I remember as a kid, my dad telling me he worked with a guy that, that every year he would he he would put for his kids on the biggest blowout everything they wanted it would be there in the living room under the tree and then he spent the next year paying it off and did that every single year a cycle where christmas would take an and I, yeah, my dad he, he was my dad was tight and uh did not like to spend money he's a generous guy um but <laughs> but that that just like mortified him that that somebody would do that um don't give out of guilt or pressure, but give in a way that you're comfortable with and can do with joy in your heart. A great example of giving is found in First Kings chapter 17. Israel, who is under the, the leadership of wicked King Ahab and his wife Jezebel, and they were under God's judgment at this point. He'd, he'd brought a drought on the land, which of course resulted in a famine. But God was providing for the prophet Elijah miraculously. We, we know a little bit about that story. Some of us can remember. But, but he leads him to a widow along the coast up near Tyre and Sidon in northern Israel. And we read in 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 10, a very, it's a striking story in a lot of ways. And it speaks about giving. So he rose, arose, the prophet Elijah, and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, indeed, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, Please give me a little water and a cup. The prophet was thirsty, that I may drink. And she was going to get it. As she was going to get it, he called to her and said, because he was also hungry... Please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. And once again, Israel, there's a famine in the land. So there were probably a lot of hungry people right now and not a lot of readily available food. So she said, As the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread, only a handful of flour in a bin and a little oil in a jar. And see, I am gathering a couple sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son, that we may eat it and die. Whoa. That's kind of heavy, right? I mean, imagine if you're, you know, you're out serving the Lord somewhere and you see somebody's got, you know, a little picnic basket and you're like, oh man, you know what? I'm, I'm serving the Lord right now. I'm doing his business. Do you have anything you could spare? And she's like, well, I guess so, but this was going to be my last meal and then my kids and I are going to die. Do you really want to have it? As she opens up and Elijah basically says, yes, I do. Keep opening your, pi-. and Elijah said to her, do not fear, go and do as you have said, but make me a small cake from it first and bring it to me. And afterward, make some for yourself and your son. For this says the Lord God of Israel, the bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day of the Lord, excuse me, until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. Now this would have required some faith on the, on the behalf of this woman, wouldn't it? This, uh, this woman in, in Zarephath, this widow, to go, wait, what are you talking about? I'm supposed to make you a little bit, so that's even less for my son and I. Now we're, we're not even going to get filled up on our last meal, but, but it's not going to run out when we get to the end. How's that going to work? So she went away and did according to the word of Elijah. She and her household ate for many days. The bin of the flour was not used up, nor did the jar of oil run dry according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke by Elijah. There's something here about our giving in Christ that goes way beyond Christmas. It's, it's It's about the spirit of abundance that God wants to bring about in our lives as we've received in Christ everything we will ever need. As our greatest needs are satisfied in salvation at the cross and through the empty tomb, There is a prosperity that God brings about through our lives that frees us to give to the Lord and and through the Lord's blessing us to others primarily and first in sharing the hope of the gospel, but also in practical ways that very often, as I said earlier, helps to open up the door to communicate Christ's love. Last week God put it on my heart. We've got we've got lots of neighbors around us and um, some of them I communicate with and some of them I don't and some are very definitely do not know the Lord. And he put it on my heart to to do something for each of them this week. And some of you know my daughter likes to bake, and I, I don't bake. And I I told her, I'll tell you what, if you if you do this little project for me, I'll pay you, okay? Because, you know, now that she's, you know, semi-professional, she won't do it for, no, I'm kidding, she probably would have done it for free, but I, I don't want to take advantage, and, and it's a lot of work, right, I mean, we got lots of neighbors, but, but my goal is not just to, oh, aren't the Hales a nice family, I want to infuse something into it. I want to write something that, that says explicitly, we're the only house on the block with the nativity scene in front of our, you know, we just have a condo, and it sits on the little bush there on the curb. There's other believers, and they share the Lord with people too. But um, I want that giving to communicate that, and it and it's coming from that spirit that says, I can give, I can sacrifice, I can put myself out there, and God's going to God's going to pay me back. He's going to take care. He's going to use my faith-filled giving. He's going to use your faith-filled giving to meet the needs of others and and he's going to keep filling your cup. I think about when uh, Pastor Frankie was leading us in that song this morning. I just want to move your heart. And and his sharing that, that nothing given to the Lord is wasted. And some of us feel that way a little bit by giving that we've been involved in in the past. Like I tried to share with that family member before. I, I tried to have that conversation with them about the Lord, about what Christmas is really about. I, I did the whole thing, Pastor, and where I wrote in the card and, and you know, now they won't talk to me or whatever else. Well, that, that giving that we're talking about, it looks a little bit different every year, I think. Every encounter. Because, again, we're not just talking about December the 25th. Sometimes it's just sitting with somebody. Maybe it's a prayer. Maybe it's the ministry of presence. Maybe it's listening to them. Maybe it's I've shared explicitly and now I'm, I'm showing Christ's love in some practical way. I'm going to slow my life. T- I can tell they're having car trouble. I'm going to give them a hand with whatever's going on. Um, I know their family's going through a difficult time. I'm going to put some groceries on their front porch. Sometimes it's more weighted on the practical. Sometimes it's more weighted on the the explicit. But but making sure that somewhere the two are finding each other. (laughs) Before I... Before I share, apparently, what is a joke, my little funny illustration I have: Matthew chapter six, verse thirty-three, Jesus's instruction about faith-filled living found in Matthew's gospel. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Jesus promises that when we live and we walk in this way, after the model that we find in First Kings chapter seventeen, He'll take care of us, and He does. Not always in the ways that we would understand, or think it's supposed to be, but he does fill our cup. When our giving, when it's characterized by a joy-filled faith with a focus on God and his work, he blesses and he multiplies our resources. The same joy and blessing are experienced when we give in the love of God, when we share Christ in our giving, offering to him and others, all that we have. <laughs> some people are difficult to buy for, aren't they? They are, and I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm, I'm going to hold on just a moment before I go there, but infuse some gospel into your, into your gift giving. Allow God by His Holy Spirit to lead you and to show you Exactly where that's to be applied this week and in your family gatherings coming up and in the year ahead. Chuck Swindoll writes that some gifts you can give this Christmas are beyond monetary value. Mend a quarrel. Dismiss suspicion. Tell someone I love you. Give something away anonymously. Forgive someone who has treated you wrong. Turn away wrath with a soft answer. Visit someone in a nursing home. Apologize if you were wrong. Be especially kind to someone with whom you work. Give as God gave to you in Christ without obligation or announcement or reservation or hypocrisy. Now we come to our last point this morning that I keep trying to jump ahead to, what to give. (laughs) And shopping, as I mentioned a moment ago, for some can be very difficult. I have a few people like that in my life. <laughs> my grandma, God rest her soul. I would labor and toil. When I got older out of high school, I started giving her gifts. And I love this lady, and I really wanted to see her come to Christ. And that was ultimately my goal. I wanted to show her God's love in practical ways so that she could come to know the Lord. And I'm laughing because I'm thinking about some of This This woman smoked her whole life, and and she tried to quit and couldn't quit. Some of you know that when I—I've shared this with a few of you probably. When I smell cigarette smoke, I know some of you are like, Oh, oh my gosh, cigarette smoke is dead. I actually, like, I, I like the smell a little bit. I know that's weird. It reminds me of my grandma and it reminds me of her sister, my aunt. I, my grandma, she grew up in the a Depression, picked cotton, started smoking when she was seven years old and, uh, you know, tried to quit and, um, and couldn't and just was a funny, funny lady and I love her, I miss her a ton. But I, I would give her a gift and she would look at me in the eyes and say, well, what am I going to do with this? I would give her a gift. I remember one time and she said, well, you can have this. I really don't like it. Merry Christmas, Grandma. <laughs> I loved her, and she was a little bit of a pain. But um, <laughs> Many times, though, I gave her a gift with some truth infused in it. I, gave her, um, I would write things on the cards. I gave her a copy of the Gospel of John, and, of course, I shared Christ with her. Um, there's people that have everything. They're hard to give to, right, or just won't tell you what they want. Gift-giving can be frustrated, but I really want to challenge you again this year to look to give in keeping with the reality of Christmas, that this day, what it actually commemorates and means. Think about, as we, as we come to our conclusion this morning, think about the account given us in Acts chapter 3, verse 1. Now, Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms for those who entered the temple. Who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive from something from them. We would imagine he has his hand out. Peter says to him, look at us, and gave them his attention. Excuse me, verse 6. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood up and walked, entering the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. Peter and John knew Knew they didn't have anything materially that they could possibly meet this person's needs with. They didn't have a lot of money. Any money, really. Maybe they had enough for the next meal. I don't know. But they said, we don't have silver or gold. That's not the greatest thing that we could give you anyway, is what they're saying. He couldn't walk. And there was nothing they could do about that. But Jesus, he could And that was their focus. In fact, they they were very direct with the man about what they could not do, what they didn't have. Silver and gold have I none. Some of you will have no problem giving Christmas gifts this year. Others will. But all of us should be concerned about whether or not we give and how we give it directs men and women, young and old, to look to our Savior. What I mean is there needs to be a sense of poverty about our giving where people understand, even if we're able to give them what, we, what they want, that what they most need is Jesus Christ. Silver and gold. Some of you have silver and gold. But recognizing your need is greater than that. we should be concerned about pointing them to the manger, to Bethlehem, to the Savior who would grow up to lay his life down just a few short miles from where he was born. I think we do well to be careful about finding ways, big or small, to let those whom we give to, to know our lack. Silver and gold I do not have. Just about everyone we know has a need that's bigger than we can help with. But each of us in Christ can do a lot more than we realize. What I do have, I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. Now, God may not intend to use you to bring about physical healing in someone's life this Christmas. We we prayed with somebody for healing last night but recognizing, Lord, this may not be your ultimate plan. You may be glorified through this person's sickness. But what I do know is that one way or another, Jesus, your presence in their life is something you want magnified. Now, my brother-in-law already knows the Lord, but I've prayed with plenty of people that don't know the Lord and shared with people that don't know the Lord. And you are going to see people over the next week or two that don't know the Lord. Whether it's the person at the checkout counter or, or somebody you run into walking your dog, it's people that need to know that there's more about you than just a smile. There's more about you than just you, you. you you got a you know a spring in your step. The little banter that normally happens going a little bit deeper. You're sitting on an invite to our Christmas services. Not really. Most of you probably moved it shoved it under the seat. Why do they keep giving me this thing? I don't know, because we printed a lot of them. That's one little way. You're like, my neighbor's not going to come on a Christmas morning. Okay, fine. The map on the back still tells them how to get here, January the 1st or January the 8th. How many times can Pastor Hale add seven in his mind? That was about it. Fifteen, I think, comes after that. Anyway, What we need is a Savior. What they need is a Savior. Jesus Christ of Nazareth, born in a manger in Bethlehem. I appreciate these words written by author and pastor Max Lucado. He writes, if our greatest need had been information, God would have sent an educator. If our greatest need had been technology, God would have sent us a scientist. If our greatest need had been money, God would have sent us an economist. But since our greatest need was forgiveness, God sent us a Savior. Forgiveness is still man's greatest need. This Christmas, give the gospel. Give Christ in the way that the Lord leads you to do that, that you might experience true and full joy this season, the joy of giving. Stand with me, would you, as the worship team comes up and we close our time. Father, we ask that God... Lord, as we've been challenged this morning by this idea of viewing our giving from this eternal gospel-centered perspective, Lord, that, that, that would make its way into our hearts. Lord, what's, what's on most of our minds is, is hosting or, or where we're going to be hosted, the pressure of giving, the joy of receiving. Maybe lack of some kind. Uh, Jesus, you want to bring fulfillment to us and through us as we experience that, that more blessing of giving. receiving what you've given and allowing you to give it through us to others. And I pray that this season we would, Lord. I pray that you'd give us the faith. I pray that you'd give us the perspective to lead men and women, to lead boys and girls past ourselves, past the silver and gold, the silver bells on to Jesus Christ of Nazareth. God, that whether or not someone might be physically touched by your hand, they would most certainly be touched by your life, that they would rise up and walk in your spirit as they understand your great love for them, as they understand the gospel message through our lives. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.